Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water, to support women as leaders in the conservation movement, to ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Chance, and my co-host today is Marsha Brownlee. How are you doing, Marsha? I'm good, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing great. And our guest today is one of our Artemis ambassadors in Tennessee, Casey Edwards. Hey, Casey. Hey, how's everyone doing? Doing good. Staying cool. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah, Casey, you're not too far from me in Tennessee. What's the weather like where you're at? Uh, It has it has finally rained we've been waiting for what seems like forever for rain and um it's funny I was just in Florida this past week and it rained every single day at the beach and then the day I get back home it also rains and I was like I guess it's just following me so (laughs) but we're happy to have it (laughs) yeah I'm with you there we need it for sure well Casey, just to start us off, I mean, I introduced you as an ambassador, but do you just want to take a little time and tell us about who you are? Absolutely. So um, I am a Tennessee transplant, I guess. I'm originally from Florida, um, from the swamp. Go Gators. Sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) I moved to Nashville in 2020. Um, I was a critical care nurse um, and worked all through the pandemic and then... (laughs) Um, I met my husband here and we got married and we decided the city really wasn't for us. So we moved out to West Tennessee a little bit. Um, uh, I am not a, um, I haven't been a hunter my entire life. Uh, I started just probably about four or five years ago and I have really taken off with it. I find it to be extremely therapeutic and I really just love being outdoors. Um, so that's kind of where I am on it. <laughs> okay, quick sidebar. You moved to a new state as a critical care nurse when the pandemic hit. I'm just curious, like, how did you have time to meet your husband? <laughs> you okay, met him I in just, Tennessee? Or, I met or, him in Tennessee. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I have so okay. many questions now. <laughs> yeah, it, everyone, yeah. Um, in my defense, I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> You missed that memo? Come on. (laughs) I did miss the memo, so that was a bit of a shocker. But I actually met my husband online on Tinder. It's crazy. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Nobody wanted to hang out with a critical care nurse, but (laughs) he was not afraid of a challenge. (laughs) You found the diamond in the rough. Congratulations. I really did. Oh, my gosh. I love that. It was just a match made in heaven. Nice. Um, so okay. actually, wait, my Tinder profile was me holding open the mouth of this 10 foot gator I had killed. Don't and I'm not it. even kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Of all the, um, of everyone else I matched with, he is the only one who commented on the gator. He's the only <laughs> one I went out with. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> everyone else say? just hoped that it wouldn't come up. Yeah. yeah, everyone else, I think, was just a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he's like, do you have any left in the freezer? Yeah, and I did. I made him some gator tacos. Nice. Oh my gosh. The first meal my husband made for me was duck tacos. That's oh awesome. My gosh. The tacos, man. They win it. Well, the tacos, tacos. Them. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, well, that's a good segue to um, telling us what is in your freezer currently. Currently in the freezer. So like I said, I was just in Florida this past week. I caught this huge redfish. We were out uh, near Apalachicola. So he's out of the freezer now because we're going to eat him tonight. But he was in there. And then (laughs) so we've got deer in the freezer. We've got some snow goose from a hunt we went on in February. We have uh, turkey from this past season. We've got some smallmouth and black perch that we've caught this summer. And then my husband is currently uh, trying to get us some squirrel to stock up on too. Hey, (laughs) squirrel is good to stock up on. Yeah, it is. It's hearty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, I have to say one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast as a guest is that somewhere in our conversations, maybe during your uh, ambassador interview, you had mentioned that somewhere along the way, you ended up working like as a trapper, like trapping was your job. Um, Can you, can you tell us about that? Like, how did that come to be? What was that like? Everything. All right. This is going to be another one of those like crazy, I moved to Tennessee stories, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) so it was, so Okay, I moved to Tennessee February 14th, so Valentine's Day of 2020. Oh, and I such realized it, t- yes, terrible. <laughs> so I realized okay, things are starting to shut down, but I, you know, I didn't think it was going to be that crazy there. And I was looking for outdoor events that I could go do. I didn't know anybody, and I was like, oh man, I need to meet some people. You know, I can't just sit here, and so. The TWRA has that huge um, place out even further west than Dixon out in Waverly, uh, the Buffalo Ridge um, place. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. They every year have a a trapping event, and it just so happened to be February 25th, which is my birthday, too. Um, And so I went. It was a weekend-long thing. Um, and they teach you how to trap, how to skin, how you can cook the animals, you know, how to, um, tan the hide, how to make any kind of trap, how to set the trap, how to dispatch an animal. It was such an awesome experience. And, um, the last day I was there, I met, um, a guy, Mr. Richard, who, um, is a land manager for a place out in Bellevue. And he invited me out there and I just kept showing up and I pretty much was just working for free because I just loved being out on the farm instead of being at the hospital. And then they ended up hiring me. Um, And so by, by that winter, I was out there and I got to help them set all the traps and um, that just became like my other job. I did get on the payroll. It was pretty cool, but it really just felt like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So you were doing that at the same time as you were still nursing? Yeah, I was still a nurse. I nice. was a night shift nurse, and this is crazy too. I would get off night shift, and I would go work on the farm during the day so that I could reset my days and nights. Oh, my gosh. 
sounds painful. Sounds so painful painful for me. And if you're going to have a side hustle like that, I can see how that could be balancing. It was very balancing and it, and it reset my nights and days. So it reminded me to not be a vampire. Yeah. But how much sleep were you operating on at that point? I mean, my goodness. I couldn't tell you. Truly. (laughs) It was, I'm sure not enough. Right. (laughs) But we made it. (laughs) Good. You made it through. Oh my gosh. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about like, I don't know. I'm curious about the nuts and bolts of that. Did you ever, like, what were the things that you trapped? Did you say that you caught a bobcat? Is that right? Yep. We'd had a few bobcats, um, a lot of raccoons, a lot of possums. Um, They used mostly live traps out there um, on the farm because they did run bird dogs, so they didn't want them getting caught or anything. Um, but we did have the opportunity to go off the farm and set some Kona bear traps and get, um, a few beavers. And then, uh, in January, um, they actually hired a professional trapper in addition to what we were doing to come and set, um, uh, foot traps as well, uh, for some of the bigger game, like the coyotes and everything. But I think... I think the year I was there, they totaled like 12 plus bobcats. It was insane. Wow. I've never seen so many bobcats. <laughs> that is insane. On how, yeah, on how many acres? Uh, it's almost 4,000. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that still seems like a lot. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And was this, uh, was this for the agency or was this for the farm? This was for the farm. Okay. Yep. So this was when I was working on the farm. This was part of some of the, I guess I was just a farmhand. I never knew my official title, um, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever I did out there, this was one of them. And, you know, sometimes it was just odd jobs, but sometimes it was going out, checking the traps um, and bringing them back. And that was pretty cool. Nice. We'll call you the trap line expert. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know if expert is the correct word, but... <laughs> For that particular trap line. For that particular trap line, we'll take it. Okay. Yeah. Kinsey, have you wanted to or have you done any trapping just like on your own since then? Yeah, I did. Um, So actually after the Buffalo Ridge one, this was before I was working on the farm. um, I went in South Georgia and was camping. Um, Gosh, I, I, I was night shift, so it's hard to remember what day it was or what year it was. Uh, <laughs> um, but I was down in South Georgia at one point and, and I actually used a dog trap from how they had taught me how to set it and everything and caught a possum on my own. And it was so uh-huh. exciting. <laughs> that, is, that is cool. And then my okay. husband, our first Valentine's day, uh, we had coyote traps out and we actually got two on, on Valentine's day. So that was pretty exciting. <laughs> Wow. So I don't, okay. Can I, can I take us down a rabbit hole? I have another one I want to go down, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I don't know about you, but I have recently binge watched the latest season of Alone. Anybody? Oh my God, my God. (laughs) Yes. Last night, my husband fell asleep during the last half of the final episode and it killed me. 
Okay, so no spoilers. So don't give it away. No spoilers. no spoilers. I'm still watching it. We're still in the middle. I had to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't trap. I haven't ever trapped. And every time mm-hmm. I watch alone, I'm like, I need to learn how to trap. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, what does it do to somebody who has trapped (laughs) what do you mean i i just like does it uh i don't know is your interest cyclical with alone seasons does it reinvigorate (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yes because i look at their snares and i think oh you're not gonna get anything right there Or you see him walking out in the middle of a field to hunt a deer. I'm like, that was crazy. That mm-hmm. was the one I saw last night. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> he got it though, so more power to him. But um, I just, I, I feel like every time it starts to get a little bit cold, I'm like, okay, here we go. Like we need to start thinking about doing this and getting our traps out and getting, you know, the bait set and the fence and all of that stuff. So. It's just kind of exciting. It's like any, you know, hunting season, you get a little fired up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one question I had with with relation to alone and dropping is like, well, okay, this is just in general. I guess I don't need to ground it in the television show. <laughs> um, but, you know, one problem um, is uh, com- competition with other predators, right? If you're rabbit trapping mm-hmm. and depending on what the regulations say, um you have to, it has to be a ground snare. What, Mm -hmm. like, what are some strategies once uh, another predator has discovered that trap line? Like if you move it to another place, will it take them some time to discover it again or? Uh, Yeah. Um, You're talking about like, if you trap something and then something else finds it before you do, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would, Go ahead. I would um I would just move it and um as long as you're checking your traps regularly, you know, um I'm not exactly sure of the regulations on trapping. I know for the instant kill traps, you have to check them at least every 72 hours, but the live traps, I'm pretty sure it's more frequently, it's at least 24 hours if not a little bit more. Um and so just ensuring that you're checking your traps regularly so that nothing else you know, harms that animal because you want, you want it to be humane, right? You don't want them to suffer. So if you're, if, if another predator does find your trap and that's like a consistent thing, I would definitely move it and then check your traps more frequently. Mm. So that seems logical. Okay. I've got another question before we shift. Uh, What made me think of this is, Casey, when you were talking about the training at Buffalo Ridge, which, by the way, I should probably say TWRA is the state wildlife agency here in Tennessee, and Buffalo Ridge is kind of like a, they use it for a lot of different things. It's a huge facility, and apparently this is one of the things they do there, which I didn't know about it, but I want to go to it. Um, What did they, what was like the, the recipes, the eating, because I took a trapping workshop in college and mm-hmm. pretty much they were like, you know, muskrat meat is great for feeding your cats. And I was like, yeah. cat? what a waste. <laughs> so tell us about that. Um, so they were saying it was, it was kind of off record. It wasn't super encouraged, but as I talked to um, some of the guys who were leading it, they were saying like, Oh, 
you know, I eat beaver or I'll eat, um, you know, I've had the best coyote stew at one of our um, uh, fur trapping events and all of this stuff. And I'm just thinking like, okay, well, you know, how do you cook it? What do you do with it? And um, for coyote, I know they told me to kind of cook it like bear, you need to pressure cook it. Um, and then one mm -hmm. of the things that they said is you need to be mindful of the area you're in because some people um, attempt to poison some of these predators mm -hmm. like uh, coyotes or bobcats. So if it's in a, you know, well-known area where, you know, nobody's out here, you know, tossing them anything that's poisonous and you trap a coyote, you know, that means probably okay for you to, to eat if you were interested in eating it. Um, you know, they said clean it really well. They taught us how to skin the animal and get everything off. Um, uh, actually, I guess I learned that at the farm, how to, how to debone everything. Um, but they told us, you know, if you're comfortable, you clean it like you would normally any other animal like a deer. And um, you can grind up the meat, you can pressure cook it, cook it like a stew. Um, but it's okay to eat. <laughs> did, ha, did you eat the coyotes you got on Valentine's Day? Nope. Um, I chocolate actually. Well, fondue. We actually, we actually didn't do anything with those coyotes. One of them was very mangy, mm. and the other one looked pretty good. And this was out on my father-in-law's farm, so I know it would have been okay to eat and eat. But in my defense, it was. 10 degrees outside Oof. and I could not bring myself to skin it I was so cold so. Yeah. wow you would so. not make it on alone would you Casey <laughs> I, would not make it on alone. I am from Florida and I'm holding on to that <laughs> so I'm not defrosted up here yeah. so. <laughs> I would not survive don't send me on alone please <laughs> My my husband and I have an ongoing thing where one of us will do something and the other one will look at them and say, this is why you wouldn't make it on a level. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's harsh. <laughs> We're an encouraging bunch over here, yeah. Um, okay, I love the idea of, I guess, not necessarily eating coyote per se, but I feel like so much of, um, you know, what what we eat or don't eat is not related to nutrition or safety, but it's just cultural or stigma, right? Yep. Right. And I think, you know, living in the Peace Corps, I served in Ghana and in part of the country, it is completely normal to eat dogs. Um, mm -hmm. It's like just, it's part of the culture. It's what they do. And that isn't the case where I live usually. Actually, this is an aside. So <laughs> I feel like our listeners will appreciate this. Uh, one time when I was first learning language, I'd just gotten to my site. I got my puppy, Jasper, who I have now, and um, I wanted to get him some bones to eat because he didn't have dog food. And I thought, like, probably there's something in bones that he needed. So I went to the market. I biked all the way there. And I was going around asking for dog bones in the local language. And, like, somebody looked at me confused, pointed me to another guy. And then somebody's like, oh, you want to go talk to the guy under the tree? <laughs> which I like, granted most people were under a tree but that guy under that tree so I went over there and I like very logically told him what I wanted a dog a bone for my dog and he looked at me very confused and then the light bulb went off and he's like oh and he reached behind him he had two like five gallon buckets and he opened one and started like rummaging through it and a dog paw flopped out oh and I was like no, <laughs> that's not what I God, mean dog <laughs> Bone. That's it funny. Like, oh. 
So uh, lost in translation there. <laughs> yep. Uh, he was visiting. He wasn't from that community. But anyway, all that is to say, I feel like there's a lot of culinary opportunity out there that often doesn't get taken advantage of just because of, I don't know, lack of knowledge maybe, but um, just the weirdness factor. And if I was trapping things, I would want to eat everything. Yeah. So I made, um, so with some of the bobcat that we had, I made uh, bobcat meatballs and they turned out fabulous. (laughs) Those were good. And then let's see, I made with the otter that we, or sorry, the beaver that we had, I made a a beaver stroganoff and that Mm. was some of the best stroganoff I've ever had in my opinion. (laughs) I've heard really good things about beaver meat. Yeah. I've heard really good things Um, about beaver tails because isn't it like almost all fat yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't they kept the tail um and and the caster uh glands too because they reused that too to help them trap right um but there was actually uh at the buffalo ridge there was a woman a biologist there who taught classes and she actually kept the tails for her classes for that one (laughs) that's cool that's pretty neat (laughs) Marsha, have you ever eaten mountain lion? No, I haven't. Um, I've heard it's amazing, uh, but no, yeah, I've never had too. the opportunity to. I, I was wondering that. I'm assuming you're wondering if bobcat tastes anything like mountain lion, and I had the same question. <laughs> I haven't had ever Yeah, Casey, have you? Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a on question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's take a really quick break to hear from our partners. Howdy Artemis listeners. This is Aaron Kindle from NWF Outdoors. We know you love awesome conservation conversations. That's why we want to invite you to check out the NWF Outdoors podcast, where we dive deep into the issues, people, and places that showcase the best of the sporting conservation lifestyle. Guests include leaders, luminaries, and decision makers who define conservation and work tirelessly for fish and wildlife. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or at nwfoutdoors.org. And we're back. Okay, so one of the other things that I really identified with your background, Casey, is your dog. Um, mm-hmm. my husband and I before we were married really my husband wanted a bird dog he wanted a dog that was like versatile he could hunt upland he could hunt ducks and so we were led to look at spaniels and at that point in our life Boykin spaniels were way out of the price point that we could afford so we ended up going with the Springer Um, but you do have a Boykin I do have a Boykin she is from uh, backwoods south Georgia so she was a little bit more affordable than most of the boykins that you see. <laughs> a bargain boykin. A, a, <laughs> I was going to say a, a country bumpkin boykin, but a country yes. bumpkin bargain boykin. <laughs> yeah, she was born on uh, Gopher Plantation down in South Georgia. So, <laughs> and she's sweet as can be. I absolutely love her. Um, how I got her, uh, my, so my ex and I had a boykin together. And when we split up, he kept that dog because he hunted a lot more and it only made sense for, you know, him to hunt the dog. It was a working dog. And so when I moved, I was like, man, I really, really miss that dog. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so the the Boykin that I have now is actually the younger sister of that Boykin. And, oh, wow. Um, so, wow. That's yeah. Fun. So I went, they had another litter. It's the same mom, uh, sorry, the same dad, different moms. Um, and uh, actually, no, I take that back. It is, they are, she's just the younger, younger sister, full, full blood though, okay. of um, the Boykin I previously had. Um, and I knew that I wanted to hunt with her and I knew I wanted to train her as a bird dog. And so when I got that job out on the farm, she got to come with me. And oh. that's kind of why I pushed so hard because she had really long days too, uh, while I was at doing 12 hour shifts at the hospital. So mm. I would come home, I'd pick her up and we would just go run all day on the farm. And they had, uh, the Harpeth river there. So she got to swim. That's where she learned to retrieve and everything. And so <laughs> we're still so going, sweet. we're still training. <laughs> How did you come, like, have you trained a dog before getting her? Uh, no, I've only, you know, trained a family dog to sit before and that was about <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> um, but I... So I started off just kind of, I knew she was a retriever and that's all I knew to do with her. And it was frustrating when I couldn't get her to do the basic obedience things, like heal or come back or anything. She would just go pick up the bird and never return. And I was like, okay, well, she's a part of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very frustrating. And so that's when I started to look into like, okay, well, what do I need to do to have a finished gun dog and you know I looked and you can send your dog somewhere but that's thousands and thousands of dollars and right. I didn't have that and I was like well I can do it myself that's what I say about everything I'll just do it myself Naturally. <laughs> and um, I found this uh, program the cornerstone gun dog program and it's all online and it breaks it down week by week and it gives you basic obedience all the way to actually finishing your bird dog um, so that you know, they're trained to go out in the field and they can handle everything. And it has been such a huge help. And I have definitely deviated from it, but um, it ut utilizes the clicker and treat reward system. Um, and we use hot dogs and Boone, my dog, goes crazy for it every time. So <laughs> it, we've made so much progress in such a short amount of time. That's fascinating. Okay. Do you use an e-collar at all? Um, I do sometimes in highly stimulated environments. So okay. um, if there's a bunch of other dogs around or it's like this brand new place and there's a ton of people or like at the beach, I initially had the, e this was her first time at the beach. I initially had the e-collar on her because she went after every single seagull and I, <laughs> there must have been at least 300 <laughs> out there. <laughs> So, but as she settled down, she kind of like, oh, okay, you know, we're not going to go after that bird. <laughs> but when we're just regular training at the house, I don't use the e-collar. I just use her little clicker and a whistle to call her back. And that works for us. Do you have a, awesome. a GPS collar or does she stay close enough that you don't really need that? She stays close enough. She's not, um, she's mostly just for waterfowl. So she'll be sitting right next to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, we haven't quail hunted. Um, I've never quail hunted either. The Boone definitely hasn't. Um, so we wouldn't know how to run like that. 
that's awesome. I don't, our dog, our spaniel, I wish that we could just, I wish hot dogs were the answer. And he's so food motivated. That's why I asked you that because I thought, man, maybe that would work for him. But the last time we took him to the beach is the last time he'll go because he ate so much. And I say ate salt water. He would go into the surf and just like bite it. He came back on the beach and it, I'm seriously, it got to the point where he was projectile out of both ends and it was clear. Okay, it's clear. Oh, no, buddy. We're like Google we're Googling like saltwater poisoning dogs and you know, like will he live? And then flash forward to like three nights ago, my husband fried chicken wings on the back deck in a, like a fryer over at LP burner. Mm-hmm. And we let the oil cool off and you know, it was like night oh, no. and I let the dogs out to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I mean stupid us. We should know by now. I go out there to bring the dogs in and Kyger's just like hulk down snaking towards me so sheepish I'm like what did, what you, did do? you do and then I look <laughs> and his stomach is characteristically distended you know like a goat and I'm like oh I look over at the pot of oil it's oh, half gone oh we put hydrogen so peroxide gross. down his throat try to get him to puke doesn't work I was like whatever leave him out there there's no solids he's it's gonna come out <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> a couple hours later, I went out there and his stomach was normal size. So I let him back in and that was that. But oh, anyway, gracious. the walking oil slick. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just never ending with this dog. But anyway, it sounds like your dog, who her name is Boone, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Boone is a little bit more. Uh, cultured maybe (laughs) (laughs) she's a little (laughs) she's a little bit more refined yeah Mm. you know actually she just hasn't had the opportunity to do what yours has done (laughs) (laughs) i have no doubt she would (laughs) how old is she that's good uh she just turned two in march nice yeah she just turned two okay this i didn't realize she was that young because she's already retrieved a goose yeah, that was her first bird. We shot that on New Year's Day of 2021, and it was a two-in-one shot. It was like it was just like a once-in-a-lifetime hunt for us. We were out at the farm, um, and uh, that was her first goose hunt, and nice we got job. those two. And she she wouldn't go after the first one. It was still flopping a little bit, and she was only nine months old at that point. But oh. the other one was dead. And she went after it, and I was so, so proud. So we actually got it mounted. It's hanging in the house. <laughs> uh, like, was it bigger than her? Was it the same size? Because oh, Wiccans aren't that huge. big, are they? Yeah. Yeah, she was maybe, she's only 27 pounds now. She was maybe 20 pounds. And this bird was at least 35. She just, <laughs> it wasn't a, a great grab. She just grabbed it by the, <laughs> the wing, but that's all she could do. It was probably double her size so (laughs) very impressive I can just see her so proud it was a great day I was so proud (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I said whatever bird I'm never gonna get birds mounted unless my dog retrieves them that'll be my criteria so it doesn't matter how beautiful it is if my dog didn't get it (laughs) then it doesn't doesn't matter it doesn't matter So, Casey, did you always know that you wanted to be a hunter? Um, I think in the back of my head I did. Uh, my 
my family, my dad um, would hunt a little bit when I was younger. He'd go out and shoot turkeys. And then um, I have family in South Georgia and they actually own a quite a bit of acreage and have a hunting lodge on it. And they would go out too. And um, I'd always wake up with them when we stayed out there and, you know, try to get them to take me. I was probably like eight or something. I was pretty young and I never got to go. It wasn't until I was an adult, um, like mid twenties, I finally got to go on my first hunting trip. Um, and it wasn't with my family. That was just the thing. Like we kind of didn't do that, but I did grow up fishing with my dad. He took me quite a bit. Um, so that was fun, but I do think I always had a tendency towards it. And so I'm glad I'm finally here and able to actually do it. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I assume that this is something that you and your husband share. Yes, he is a huge hunter. Um, He loves deer hunting. If that's what he could do for a living year round, any (laughs) of it, he would. (laughs) Um, And I'm slowly converting him to waterfowl. Um, And he wants, he's so funny. He wants his own boykin now too, because mine won't listen to him. (laughs) (laughs) I know who has the hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah. She knows. She knows. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So I guess, what has it meant to you to become a part of Artemis? Like specifically in the way that you have as like as an ambassador? Um, I think it is just, I think what you guys are doing is so amazing when you look at some of the other women's groups out there I feel like a lot of it kind of focuses on I hate to say like the business side of hunting but you know it's you know get out there shoot as many birds as you can or you know kill the biggest buck whatever and this is just such a different approach you guys offer these real hunts and these real opportunity learning opportunities and I'm really excited to be a part of that so that I can still learn and that I can also help others learn about it. Um, if that if that kind of makes sense, I just think it's just so different from from the other women's groups um, I've been a part of. Yeah, well, I mean, I appreciate that. And I would also say that now it's you that's doing it as well. Um, I feel like Marsha and I are just kind of the tip of the iceberg and it's been interesting for me anyway to see how many people but really how many women this resonates with because I didn't know about it until I became a part of it you know in the last almost two years now and I didn't know I was missing it I guess I don't know Casey if you felt that way but yeah like it like you're supposed to be here like you're supposed to be helping in some way and doing something and it just it makes me feel like I have an opportunity to make a real change in the hunting and fishing industry not as someone who people might look at as like you know killing the trophy animal or doing whatever but you know working kind of behind the scenes almost and and building up from there so that everyone can continue to do what we all love. I like that perspective a lot. Yep. I just said it better myself. Well, <laughs> I know, I mean, the goose story with Boone is a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, but can you, can you, do you have another story of one of your favorite moments in the field? 
Yeah, absolutely. So this was my first um, buck I had ever killed. Um, and this was down in Florida and I was hunting. It was an afternoon and this buck stepped out right, um, right as the sun was going down. Like you could, it was still shooting light, but it, it was hard to see. And he was in the bushes and I, you know, couldn't really tell. And I was like, you know, it's okay. It's, you know, it's nothing special, whatever. And, um, mind you, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my hand at the time so I was completely unprepared (laughs) (laughs) that's when it always happens right Mm. so so with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my mouth I took a shot at this book (laughs) and (laughs) and I actually hit him and I heard him crashing through the woods and I got down and I was with someone at the time and he was looking too um, and we looked for probably an hour and a half for a sign of blood for anything. And I, I just knew I had hit him, even though it was my first buck, one of my first hunts, I was like, I know I hit him. I know I hit him. Um, and I started praying and I prayed so, so hard. And I don't care if you guys think I'm crazy, but I heard a voice and it kept telling me to turn right, turn right, turn right. And I turned all the way back around, back onto the open lane where he was. And I saw it was maybe like a pencil eraser's worth drop of blood. Mm-hmm. In <laughs> the, oh, wow, in the dark we, at this point. In the dark with my flashlight, we found the blood. And so we stopped right there. We called a dog in and the buck was 50 yards from where I oh, <laughs> uh, wow. found that oh. drop of blood. It was insane. And he was a beautiful six point. He was gorgeous. So I just couldn't believe it. I was, I had goosebumps when that happened. And that was one of my most memorable times being out there. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so once you found out where he was, how close had you come to him before that? I have no idea. It was so dark out. I didn't even know where I was. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, you're just yeah. searching however you can. I mean, we weren't there. We weren't far from where I'd actually shot him either. Um, you know, maybe 200 yards. So he was close. He was in the area. It was a you know good long shot. He went down shortly after I hit him. So. It's so amazing to me how hard it can be, you know, especially in a like a densely wooded area. I mean, if you're not on top Mm -hmm. of them, they're just so hard to see. Mm -hmm. And I swear we had been looking right where that bush where I found the drop of blood was. Like I, I knew we looked there, and I hadn't seen it, and finally found it. You said you called in the dogs. What is that? What did you mean by that? Uh, A friend of ours had a blood trailing. uh, Nice a bloodhound. Yeah. And so we called him in um and he found him almost immediately. I was going to say he's like dude it's right here. What do you I know. Yeah, he looked back at us like okay, all right. <laughs> really? You needed me? That's awesome. I know. Can I have a hot dog now? Yeah, I can have a hot dog. Oh man. Okay, this is you know, this is this is something I feel like is not talked about that often, but you know, it happens often enough because I feel like thinking back to um, grad school and when like we darted, I don't know, 98 bucks for um, the research that we were doing. 
and we would use these uh, telemetry like transmitter darts. So the dart would go in and then we could track it basically with an antenna. And that's how we would find the deer. And inevitably, you know, when you got close, there was like a blue, little blue flashing light on the end of the dart. So if the deer wasn't laying on the dart and it was, you know, like up invisible, you could see it pretty easily from like 20, 20 yards away. And rarely, I, I ran the numbers once. I feel like they never often went more than like 50 yards from where we darted them. Certainly not more than a hundred. And granted, they're not dying. They're just sedated. So they're, you know, run a little distance and then slowly fall asleep. But it was, I don't know how you would ever find one that didn't, you know, put out a good amount of blood or something like that. Because, yeah, I have no idea. Like, they never really were that far. But without the telemetry and oftentimes with it, it was still really difficult to find them. So, I don't know. I feel like this is probably something that a lot of hunters encounter at one point or another, you know, like a deer that they don't recover or they just assume that they ended up not hitting it. And gosh, how terrible to think that it might be right there, wounded or dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. That's why. Oh, go ahead. No, please go ahead. I, I was just saying, like, having some of those resources, like the dogs and, you know, just because a lot of people don't even know, like, oh, you can use a dog to help you trail or you can do some of these other things to help you find that stuff. Because it's unfortunate when you when you do hit an animal and it doesn't get recovered. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's gotcha. the there's there's like organizations um, that I think it's what is it called? Uh, United Blood Trackers, which is a group where, of um, train. Uh, God, what is it? It's a group of people who have dogs trained to track down animals and you can call them and say, Hey, I have this, I need help. And if you've got one nearby, they can bring their dog and go search for it. Just like your friend did Casey. So like there are groups out there that will, uh, that do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, then you're, you're like talking it. about a certain amount of time delay. So there's yeah. that risk, but, um, but man, a, a case dial. of beer to recover, to recover your deer. I feel like that's a pretty good yeah, <laughs> pretty good. I mean, I feel like that's mostly, you know, it's kind of, from what I understand, scent trailers really, they do it because that's their passion. And mm-hmm. so they're happy to come out and, you know, charge minimally or maybe you pay for their gas or whatever. But yeah. It's yeah, fun to just cool. watch your dogs work too, you know? Yeah. yeah. You got a good dog and you love it. You know, I don't want to go hunting unless my dog can go. <laughs> my motto absolutely yeah i'm so curious yeah now i'm like maybe i can train zoot to do that yeah <laughs> i think you, I, I probably you could marcia yeah i'm curious because she seems to be an air sniffer and not a ground sniffer um yeah but i also i think that's something you can teach a dog because i know mm-hmm. like that's something our dog struggles with is he uses his eyes more than his nose a lot of times when he's really hyped up mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Know. It's definitely something you guys could teach, and you could even utilize the, like the click and treat. And it just takes like a little bit of hiding. You you know get the initial scent of what you want, and then you hide it. Don't let the dog see, and then when they find it, you know reward them for it, and then you just increase the distance. So it's not yeah. something. It just takes time. It just takes time is what the the main thing is for the dog to understand what you want. <laughs> right. Sure. 
Yeah, I feel like Good that's for where, thought. <laughs> no, for thought. <laughs> that's where communication between me and Zoot breaks down because she doesn't really care what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She knows what she wants. She doesn't really care what I want. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think we can transition to uh, hits and misses. Marsha, do you want to start us off? Oh, gosh, hits and misses. Um, Usually I try and come prepared for this, but I don't. I didn't. (laughs) It happened. Um, So, uh, well, since... I'm, so since we're talking about Zoot, we'll go ahead and stay on this topic because I've been thinking about her a lot lately as a hunting dog. She's like, she's six and a half, I think. So she's old and I don't know if you can train an old dog, uh, but uh, she's not gun shy, which is great. Um, you mm-hmm. know, she, I've taken her to the range because my dad um, works there uh, a couple of times and 4th of July she was fine so she's not super gun shy and she's got an excellent nose and she's killed more squirrels than I have so <laughs> I think there's promise <laughs> I agree, I agree. <laughs> so that's what I've been thinking about lately is is uh, can I train my dog to be some sort of a hunting dog um, and then uh, so that's not either a hit or a miss <laughs> But I did catch her yesterday. So I've had her since like January. So we're coming up on seven months together now and still getting to know certain things about her. She was playing in the sprinkler yesterday and it was the cutest thing I've seen from her in a while. So, yeah, that was a hit. That's all I got. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I guess. Casey, what, what about you? What have you been aiming for? Um, let's see. My husband uh, actually just bought me my first bow for nice. um, archery season. Yeah. Um, it's a bit delayed. It was for my birthday back in February, but he just said he was shopping for the right one. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so he, <laughs> he got it for me this week. So I'm really excited to start training with that. And then you know, the, um, the women's hunt coming up, uh, this fall too. That'll be my first time ever archery hunting. So I'm really excited to see what challenges come with that. <laughs> and how uh-huh. that'll go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Casey. I'm with you. That's going to be a, I think it's going to be a fun hunt and there's definitely going to be challenges associated for me yeah. anyway with Charlie. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I'm excited. And I would love as you go along on your archery journey, let me know if there's something that you have questions about or successes you have, because I need both (laughs) (laughs) discussion (laughs) and also uplifting words. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Good deal. Well, I have made a hit as of this morning, actually. Um, Hopefully it's going to be a hit. We have been neglecting the dog that I've been talking about this whole episode. Our poor Springer Spaniel has just basically, I would say, sat in the backyard for the last year. But let's be honest, he was running in circles the whole time. Mm. So he's, he has not been hunted or even worked with the way that he should be. And we just scheduled a trip to go back up to Minnesota to do a tandem, like a 
we're going to go grouse hunting for a week and then we're going to head down to the southern part of the state and go pheasant hunting for a week in October so and that's actually that's going to be right after um the archery hunt the deer hunt so my October is going to be full of hunting (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) lovely you're yeah yeah I, I do feel um the the dogs that used to be only children uh, mm. have a drastic change in lifestyle when they get human siblings. <laughs> yes, they do. He gets a lot more <laughs> table scraps now because, you know, any time that yeah, <laughs> the high chair needs cleaning, the baby needs cleaning. He's still terrified of Charlie. And lately she's keyed into that and chases him around the house, which oh, is no. really funny. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I take pity on him, but mostly I feel like it's good for him. Stretch, you know, build character. Um. <laughs> the exposure therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, Casey, thank you so much. Thank you for being an ambassador, and thank you for being on this episode. It was I really loved hearing your story. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate being here and being part of armies and, and being an ambassador, so... Cool. Thank you, Casey. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week on the Artemis Podcast. We hope you're having a great week. And until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. Mm-hmm.